Now, you might be wondering what a John Deere tractor and farm implement has to do with Acts chapter 3. I've resisted, I've resisted telling my only John Deere joke the first time we went through this. I can't now, but do you know what the tractor said to the plow? No one knows? Pull me closer, John Deere. I think that's great. Uh, <laughs> well, this morning we're going to look in Acts chapter 3, and I, and I hope that my message title communicates where we're going. It's too good to pass up, rather than it's so bad, leave it all behind. It's connected with, it's connected with harvest, and, and we're going to see a harvest as we travel through Acts 3. There's been a lame man healed. He's now jumping and praising God in the temple for the first time in his life. And as he does that, Peter sees a crowd gathering, and he takes opportunity to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. And there's a tremendous harvest. Now, the other thing that this little video has in common with Acts 3 is that the tractor and the farm implement was restored. It was something that was old, it was refurbished, and it's back in the field again doing what it was meant to do. And that is really a good illustration of what's going on in Acts chapter 3 as well. Because what God said in the Old Testament, in some ways, was used, and it was used, and it used, and in some ways it began to break down a little bit. So what Peter is doing is he's picking up what God gave in the Old Testament and now what's come with Jesus and he's retrofitted that or restored it and now the message is coming through and the result is a greater harvest than what has ever been seen before. So restoration is really the theme behind what Peter is saying. It's not about farm implements. It's it's about this lame man that we, we looked at last week. And, and, and Peter is so quick to say, look, it's faith, faith in Jesus' name that put this man, whose condition you know so well, on his feet. You have been coming to this temple for years, and you've come by this same lame man for years, and some of you have dropped coins into his cup. He's been lame from birth, and now we want you to know he's on his feet He's healed, and it's faith and nothing but faith that put this man healed and whole right before your eyes. And it's that wholeness. This man who was born crippled has now been restored. Restored to what God originally intended. It's the fall of humanity that causes people to be born crippled. It's the kingdom of God that's come that now restores people to the original design. It's a wholeness. And now Peter is going to take it a step further. It's not just that God is healing lame people, making them whole. That's not just the demonstration of the kingdom. Also, you need to understand that God's doing this with all of creation. Turn to face God so he can wipe away your sins. He can erase your sins. In or and there's a per, in order. If you'll turn to God, let Him erase your sins. The the next thing that happens, He pours out showers of blessing to refresh you. 
and send you the Messiah he prepared for you, namely Jesus. For the time being, he, the Messiah, must remain out of sight in heaven. And notice this next phrase, until everything is restored to order again. Until everything that God originally created is restored to its original mint condition and improved. Through the preaching of his holy prophets of old, and and they said that's what's going to happen. So something of old is now being repeated, but it's coming through in a miraculous way. There was a messianic hope that, that... that Peter is tapping into because he himself is a Jew that's now following Jesus. So the messianic expectation, what was going on behind the scenes of Peter doing what he's doing and teaching what he's teaching. And, and if, you want, if you can help me, I'm trying to find uh, Jewish theology that's not in Hebrew because that would take me like forever to read that. But I found a couple of quotes just to help underscore there's something of expectation in Messiah on the day that Peter preached. The first century, Rabbi Silver wrote, especially the generation before the destruction, the destruction of the temple, 70 AD, so it's the generation of Acts, what we're reading about, witnessed a remarkable outburst of messianic emotionalism. This is to be attributed, as we shall see, not to an intensification of Roman persecution, but to the prevalent belief induced by the popular chronology of that day that the age was on the threshold of the millennium. The Jew in Acts is expecting a new age to come. It's the kingdom age. It's the messianic age, the age that Messiah would bring. And when Messiah brings that age... Everything is restored. So there's a restoration that happens. So there's an expectation. Peter's tapping into that. Another author writes, What we can affirm is that a messianic expectation, broadly considered, was present in the wide range of Jewish groups that produced literature throughout the time period, the same time period we're talking about. And that for some of them, their expectations for the deliverer who shall come forth from Jacob, was intense, theologically charged, and surprisingly detailed. It was into this world of mixed hopes, preconceived categories, and pre-built eschatologies, doctrines of the last days, that Jesus of Nazareth proclaimed, the kingdom of God has drawn nigh. The messianic age is here, would be another way of saying that. The time of restoration has arrived. All the hopes and expectations produced by the Old Testament prophets are now coming to fulfillment. It is a great message. And so when Peter says, turn to God, it's not because things on the planet will get so bad that you don't want to be here anymore. There is no escape through a rapture statement in anything that Peter is preaching. There is no, there's nothing in his message that says, leave it behind, get out of here. That's, that's not what he's preaching. What he is preaching is, turn to God so that times of refreshment may come. That's positive. Turn to God 
So don't think of mere breaks and end time afflictions, but there's this definitive age of salvation that has entered because Messiah has arrived. Let times of refreshment come, and the restoration of the integrity of creation comes with that Messiah. It's too good to miss out on. You want to follow Jesus because you don't want to miss out on the blessing that's come. So with all of that as the preface, let's read Peter's sermon. So if you want to stand with me, if you want to follow along, we're in Acts chapter 3, verse 12 through 26. A lame man is jumping around and praising God in the temple. First time he's ever gone into the temple because now he's whole and he can go. And when Peter saw that that people were gathering to find out what's going on, he addressed the people. Oh, Israelites, why does this take you by such complete surprise? And why stare at us as if our power or piety made him walk? The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, has glorified his son, Jesus. The very one that Pilate called innocent, you repudiated, you denied. You you repudiated, denied the Holy One, the Just One, and asked for a murderer in his place. You no sooner killed the author of life than God raised him from the dead, and we're the witnesses. Faith in Jesus' name put this man whose condition you know so well on his feet. Yes, faith and nothing but faith. But this man healed and whole right before your eyes. And now, friends, I know you had no idea what you were doing when you killed Jesus. And neither did your leaders. But God, who through the preaching of all the prophets had said all along that his Messiah would be killed, knew exactly what you were doing and used it to fulfill his plans. Convert. That's the word again. Convert. Change the way that you think. It's time to change your ways. Turn to face God. So he can wipe away your sins. He can erase your sins so that he can pour out showers of blessing to refresh you and send the Messiah he prepared for you, namely Jesus. For the time being, the Messiah Jesus must remain out of sight in heaven until everything is restored to uh, to order again. Just the way that God said it would be through the preaching of his holy prophets of old. Moses, for instance, said, Your God will raise up for you a prophet just like me from your family. Listen to every word he speaks to you. Every last living soul who refuses to listen to that prophet will be wiped out from the people. All the prophets from Samuel on down said the same thing, said most emphatically that these days would come, these days of refreshment, these days of restoration, restitution, these messianic days. These prophets, along with the covenant God made with your ancestors, are your family tree. God's covenant word to Abraham provides the text. By your offspring... All the families of the earth will be blessed. 
but you are first in line. God, having raised up His Son, sent Him to bless you as you turn one by one from your evil ways. Please have a seat. Peter starts out his message with some bad news. You, you all have contributed to the death of the Holy One, but in the middle of it he says, but, it's, but it, that's okay, because there is a God that can wipe away that sin of denial. There's a God that understands exactly what was going on in history, so turn to him, let him erase your sin, and convert. Conversion is the word that Peter uses in both of the sermons that we've looked at. It's the word that means change your mind about Jesus. Jesus is the glorified Son. And did you notice who Jesus is the Son of? And if you were a Jew, even a Jew today, you would get it. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob the God of our ancestors, the God that's revealed himself to us throughout the Old Testament history, God of all gods, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, that God, that God, the God of Israel has glorified his son, Jesus. Man, underline that. That's huge news. So change your mind about who Jesus is. He's innocent. He's not, he didn't commit a crime. He didn't commit blasphemy because he's the son of Elohim, Adonai. He's the son of God. He's not a religious heretic. He's innocent of the crime. Even Pilate saw that he was innocent. Change what you think about Jesus. Jesus is the Holy One. Jesus is the just one. Jesus is the author of life. Jesus didn't die on the cross. Jesus is alive. We're witnesses. He's alive. Change your mind about what you think about Jesus. That's what, that's what, that's what Peter is just appealing, inviting. Change the way that you're thinking. He says you denied him, but now accept him. He says, turn to the one who can erase your sin And this is the invitation. The messianic age is here because Messiah is here. When you turn to God and God erases your sin, He then pours out a time of refreshment. And He pours out a time of restitution. And he pours out the blessing of Abraham so that the blessing of Abraham can reach every family on the earth. What I see happening in this passage is like everything that Israel hoped for, everything that was written, everything that was promised in the Old Testament is coming true in this moment, in this one Jesus This is an absolutely stunning invitation for something really, really so good you don't want to miss out. Beyond that, it is like extremely effective. If you you track along with where we are in Acts, 
You start Acts with 120 Jews who are following Jesus. And they're obedient to Jesus, so they wait until the Holy Spirit gives them power to testify. And on the day of Pentecost, the power comes, the Holy Spirit gives them power to testify. And so that's when they're speaking in languages that they did not. They're declaring the glories of God. They're majoring on the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And, and people from all over the Mediterranean, really devout Jews that have come for the Feast of Tabernacle, are hearing this, this witness that's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Peter preaches on that day. At the end of that sermon, which is not all that long, 3,000 people changed their mind about Jesus. Again, I cannot say it enough. They did not change their religion. There wasn't a religion called Christianity that these Jews changed to. They changed their mind about who Jesus is. They came to accept that Jesus is the Messiah. 3,000. So now there's 3,120 Jews who are following Jesus, and the Bible tells us in the story that, that the Lord keeps adding to their number daily those that are being saved. So we don't know. There's 3,120 plus, and we don't know how many days. We don't know how many were added that day. And then we didn't keep going forward. But do you know how many people are going to respond to this invitation? 5,000! 5,000 Jews on the Temple Mound are going to say, I get it. Forgive me for denying the Messiah. I accept the Messiah. Let the refreshment come. Let the restoration come. Let the Messianic age break through. So now you have 8,120 plus Jews who are following Jesus, excited about what God is doing. Do you know how many Jews that are Messianic in Israel today? There's eight to 10,000 Messianic Jews in Israel. Might be 12,000. But I'm seeing a parallel here. I'm seeing that in like a matter of weeks, you have 8,000 plus Jews following Jesus. Whereas in the land today, uh, 60 plus years, you have the same number. And I'm thinking, maybe the message that Peter was preaching was a lot more effective because there's a lot. I mean, it's like the same number of people, but the time is so condensed. And you, just, you can't just say, oh, well, that, you know, that's just Acts. The same Holy Spirit that's poured out in Acts comes today. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit. I'll pour out my spirit. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. God's going to keep pouring out his spirit in the last days. We're in the last days. So don't give me that. Let me tell you what I think it is. It's that the message that Peter preached is the gospel message. It's a message that says God wants to do something so good on this planet, you don't want to miss it. There is nothing in Peter's message that says God is mad at the human race, God's going to destroy the earth, you want to get out while you can. None of that's here. 
So when I start thinking about today, what do we do with this? Well, the first thing that came to mind for me, and I'll explain why, is I would leave the left behind behind. Now, let me give you a context for that. I went to one of three schools that highlight the Left Behind series in the theology of that school. And so for five years, I was thoroughly indoctrinated into premillennial dispensationalism. I understand what it teaches. And after ten years of kind of following that track, I found out it doesn't work. Part of it is that I went to Israel. And what I was taught about the situation of Israel did not match the facts on the ground. So I, I had this personal dilemma. Oh no, I've been taught something that does not track well in life. And so I had to make a choice. Am I going to hold on to doctrine just because I'm holding on to doctrine? Because I'm too insecure to let go of it? Or can I allow God to speak to me and show me something? Well, he showed me something different. And then the reality was there's a lot more people around the planet that don't buy into the left-behind stuff than there are that do. But I know I'm spitting in the wind. Tyndale House Publishers, which publishes that series, the Left Behind series, doubled their revenue and doubled their staff because of that series. 65 million copies of the Left Behind series are floating around the planet. So I know I'm kind of like spitting in the wind, but if, if you can do two things. One, let's talk. I'll, I'll share my story with you. I'll share why I don't think it works. It doesn't match. The other thing, look at what Peter's saying. Peter's not saying things are going to get so bad you got to get out of here. Peter's saying things are going to be so much better here because Messiah's come, so stay engaged. Let refreshment come and let every planet on the earth be blessed by the Abrahamic blessing. Wow. Embrace, embrace the promise of blessing. And I love, I lo- again, the message, maybe the message has some quirks, but I love what it has to say here. Because it says, you Jews that are responding, Jeff, would you stand up? You'll be, you'll be a Jew today. Okay. Say, the, the Abra- you're, you're first in line. As a Jew, you're first in line. So re- receive the blessing. Okay, okay, would you stand behind Jeff? You get to be the Gentile today. Yeah. Okay, so Jeff, are you going to receive the blessing? You're going to say no. No. Okay, well, would you just go to the end of the line? So just go to the end of the line. You're not out of line. It's not that you're not going to get the blessing. You're still in line. But Gentile, would you like to receive the blessing? Yeah. Okay, you get it today. That's, that's how history has worked. Jews have been, they've not been knocked out of, thank you very much, Jew and Gentile. They've not been knocked out of the line of blessing. It's just that they have to keep moving to the back of the line. And then in human history, according to the Bible, at the, at the end, before Jesus, there, there will be a tremendous ingathering of the Jew. And it's probably because the, Abraham, or the, the Arabic nations around Israel that are, you know, everybody's upset with each other, there's going to be a revival in the Arabic nations and the sons of Ishmael are going to come to know Jesus and the sons of Isaac are going to go, wait, wait a minute. 
the blessing that our enemy is getting, we're supposed to get. And they're going to be provoked to jealousy. Have you read that in your Bible? Provoked to jealousy. And they're going to say, I accept Jesus is the Messiah. Let's acknowledge Jesus. He's the Messiah. He is the Messiah. Don't, you don't have to have any doubts about that. Don't, don't let me convince you. Let the Bible convince you. I mean, Peter just stacked it up. All the prophets of the Old Testament, going back to Moses, even going back to Abraham, it all leads to Jesus. He's the Messiah. He's the chosen one. So welcome him. And when you welcome Messiah, welcome times of refreshment and welcome times of restitution. Be on the lookout for what God is doing to restore his creation to integrity. Take opportunity to pray for the sick because God didn't create anybody sick. God creates people whole. God doesn't create people that are demonized. Look for opportunities to set people free because in the kingdom there's freedom. God does not create poverty. God provides for all of creation. So look for opportunities to address poverty. The planet we live on is not a throwaway planet. The new heaven and the new earth will come here. We're not going there. So be good stewards of God's creation. Creation around us is groaning for its day of redemption. So there's some way that creation knows, hey, we acknowledge you're going to be redeemed too. And it gets kind of excited. The trees clap their hands, all that stuff. That's, that's what the prophets of old have said. Then you come down to none of this happens. I mean, you don't have a lame man healed, made whole, restored. You don't have 5,000 people who denied Jesus as Messiah accepting Jesus as Messiah, that doesn't happen by our own abilities. And catch this one, by our own piety. These things did not happen in Peter's life or the apostles' life because they had everything together. It happened because they had faith, confidence, trust in Jesus and what Jesus intended for this planet. They didn't go by sight. If you go by sight, I mean, for me, if I go by sight, I, I lose hope every day. I mean, the, the situation and... In Gaza and Israel today, that disturbs me. I, I think about my friend. I'm on Facebook chatting with my friends in both places. You know, my friend Elias, is out, his house is filling up with tear gas every day. He lives in Bethlehem, but he lives right at one of the checkpoints. Rubber bullets are flying all around his house. People are getting hurt. I'm concerned, but if, if I keep my eyes there, then I'm thinking, well, man, they're, you're there. I mean, I just have to join the voices in my head that there will never be peace. But if I have faith and confidence in Jesus and what Jesus preaches and what Jesus taught and then what the next generation is teaching, by faith I, I accept, yes, Lord, 
you have something better for planet Earth. And we want to join what you're doing on our planet. We don't want to check out of here. We want to stay engaged here. When we sing 10,000 Reasons, you start talking about, you know, we get to the end of our life. I don't want my end of the life come to come soon. I got, there's so much to do. There's so much that we can represent on this planet. Oh, Lord, give us long, long and healthy lives to represent your kingdom well. Finally, one thing we're trying to do is we're trying to live out in a personal way these messages that Peter is teaching. Something of the past coming into the present. And so what one of my prayers is, and I, and I pray that we all would pray this, you know, I would really, I, I really want the Holy Spirit to pour out the same power that he poured out on these believers in Jerusalem so that we get to tell others about Jesus and they get to come along following him with us in community. So we've done something that's called two chairs, and today we're going to kind of come to the end of that. What I've asked you to do is, one, I've asked you to get an empty chair next to you. So let's do that, and then we'll kind of walk through what we've been doing. I think we would all recognize there are people all around us that are looking for a friend. And so there is opportunity for you and I to befriend people on a regular basis. And what I've tried to remind us is that when somebody, when I, when I befriend somebody, they may or may not know it, but they're befriending my best friend who is Jesus. And so through relationships, sooner or later... I get to introduce my new friend to Jesus. But it's a process. I don't want to do that the first time we meet. And so once I identify, and hopefully you have, there's a person next to you that would benefit from your friendship. And so then as you identify a person, then how do you enter that person's world? And it's, again, it's just reminding us that God came to us. God didn't expect us to go to him. God expects us to incarnate. He, he expects us to enter other people's worlds. He expects us to be uncomfortable, not others be uncomfortable. We can handle it. We got help from above. And then then we begin conversation. And just the encouragement is, is don't start with Jesus. Don't start with the Bible. Don't start with church. Don't start with theology. Just talk about life. Just become a friend. Talk about your dog. Talk about your cat. Talk about sports. Anybody from Baylor? You know, Ron, way to go. Baylor, number one. You know, you know, you can keep up the news. Keep up, you know, there are things to talk about other than faith. Build a friendship. And then there comes a time in those friendships, in that conversation, that it becomes really normal, natural to talk about Jesus. So when is that? And allow the Holy Spirit to guide that. And then after that is introduced, after Jesus is introduced to the conversation, the day will come where you get to invite your friend to follow Jesus with you. Would you follow Jesus with me? Together in a community of people. And this is where this, is where this message of Peter makes probably more sense than any, 
See, I'm inviting people to be able to engage in a world full of problems with the solution to those problems. I'm not inviting people into relationship with Jesus so that we retreat from the world and we exit and get out of here. You see, do you see the difference? It's a tremendous difference. So when I invite people to come along with me, I'm inviting them to come along on a great adventure here, now. Does it touch later? Sure. But the emphasis is on the here and the now and what God is up to in the here and the now. Come along. Let's follow Jesus. Life becomes better, richer, fuller, not necessarily easier. But we find purpose. People restored to what God created them to be, participating with him in the restoration of his universe. I don't think there's a higher purpose than that. So would you take a moment and just pray for that person that you've befriended. Pray for those conversations that you're having. Pray for that opportunity when you'll introduce that person to your friend Jesus. And pray for that time where you'll say, would you like to follow Jesus with me? Let's just pray a bit. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, God of Israel, Elohim, Adonai, Almighty God. Thank you for glorifying your son Jesus. Thank you that Jesus is the culmination of the ages. Thank you that Jesus is the innocent one, that Jesus is the holy one, that Jesus is the just one, that Jesus is the author of life. Thank you, Jesus, that you are alive. And thank you, Jesus, that you continue to pour the Holy Spirit out on those of us that are following you. Thank you that you're empowering us to testify to who you are and what you're doing in our day. Thank you for times of refreshment. Thank you for rest, restitution, restoration. Thank you for what's going on around us. Thank you that you're redeeming all of your creation. Thank you that the blessing of Abraham 
is traveling to every family on the planet because of Jesus, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Together we accept you, we bless you, and we follow you. Holy Spirit, empower us as you did these first followers. Empower us by the, by the Holy Spirit with power from above that we could provide convincing witness to the Messiah and to the age of the Messiah, to the time of refreshment and the time of restoration. Give us your message to proclaim to our generation. And may we see thousands and thousands of people change their mind about Jesus and come along with us in following him. We bless you, Lord, and we thank you in your name. Amen. So thank you for our time together. Have a wonderful, I mean, a really, really, really happy and fulfilling Thanksgiving with your family. Enjoy time together before you go, and we'll see you later.